Exodus 24, page 76. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who, burnt, who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose up with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Exodus chapter 24. Turn there. Um, Exodus 24. If you don't have a Bible, look at the Black Pew Bible again. Morgan read the text for us. Page 76 of the Black Pew Bible. It'll help you if you take the, the if you take the word and, and read along. We're not going to read this text again. We don't have that much time. It's first Sunday, so it's uh, we're pressed for time already. But um, it does help to, to look at that. We are, if you're visiting with us, we're, we're glad you're here. Um, we, are, we come to church. You look around the room here. There's a lot of folks here. I don't know how many people are here today. There's a bunch of folks here. And if you look around the room, none of us are here because we got it all figured out. None of us are here because we're, uh, we deserve God's grace, God's mercy. None of us are here because we, we've earned salvation. None of those things are true. We're here because we are needy people. We recognize our need to come and sing truth, to hear truth. We recognize our need to be around other believers who are using their spiritual gifts so we can mature and grow. Amen. So if you're here, and we're just visiting with us, we, we don't come to church here at Beaver because we got it figured out and we're the good people. 
And all the people around there, they're, they're not in church right now, are the bad people. Yes, just, you're missing it. It's wrong. We're the needy folk. And that's why we're here. And I'm so glad that you've chosen to be with us today. There, there is a kind of a, uh, an outline, the rest of the book of Exodus, kind of where we're going. We're in chapter 24, but I've, I've put a little, kind of break down the chapters to let you know where we're going. We are, we've been walking step by step through this. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit towards the end of the book. But if you'll see, today we're looking at the ratifying of the Mosaic Covenant. That ratifying is a really... Um, a word we don't use very often is make something legal, make it legit. Okay? It's like when you you have a deal, you sell something, maybe like a car. Some of you are like wheeler and dealers. I don't see Andrew here. Andrew Watkins, that joker, man. Every time I see him, he's in a different vehicle. He's always driving, selling and whatnot. But like you can collect the money, you can sell a car for a certain amount of money and they can give you the money, but it's not really a done deal until what? Do you sign that title over to them, right? So this is kind of, in a way, kind of what's happening here. There's a covenant that God is making with his people. And today he's been, he's been, uh, he's been, yeah, rumble. Yeah, we, we fed you. Somebody's stomach's growling really loudly. <laughs> hey, that person didn't come to men's breakfast. Um, next, next time, come to, Kind of, yeah, anybody park right next to the building, there might be ice sliding off of you. So be, be, think, be mindful of that as you walk out. Uh, matter of fact, why don't we walk out the front door and not the side doors just, just for that purposes? We don't have those things up like they do up north because we typically don't get a lot of ice. But anyway, maybe walk out. Remind us, deacons, remind us of that at the end of the service. Notice we're, we're looking at chapter 24. And then chapter 25 through 31 is there's going to be instructions on how to build the tabernacle and the tabernacle is real important in the old testament because that's where god's going to dwell his people think about it adam and eve in the garden what do they do yeah they sin but before they sin they walked with god in the cool of the day yeah they had communion with god but ever since they sinned and they were cast out of the garden they hadn't been able to fellowship and walk with god like that but all of a sudden because of this mosaic covenant there's going to be a tabernacle that's going to be built where God is going to dwell with his people. Now, this tabernacle is going to be a mobile tabernacle. And the Levites, the, the, the priests, are going to be in charge of, of assembling and carrying this from place to place as God moves them towards the promised land. But there's going to be building of the tabernacle. And, of course, Israel's going to break the covenant with the golden calf in chapter 32. We're going to see God pouring out his grace upon them in, in, in chapters 33 and 34. This covenant's going to be renewed by the Lord. And then chapters 35 through 40, it's actually going to be built. Okay, this tabernacle is going to be built, and God gives them instructions on how to build that. So that's kind of where we're going. But this chapter has been called the, the climax of the book of Exodus. Um, Exodus chapter 24 is kind of a transition point. And once today, once the covenant is made, the tabernacle is going to become the most prominent theme of the book or the, the most prominent subject of the book. We're talking all about the tabernacle and the importance of that. But they've been camping. The Israelites, remember, they've been rescued from Egypt. God brought them through the Red Sea. They're on the way to the promised land. They stop at Mount Sinai where they're given the law. In our text today, God's going to ratify this, this covenant that he's making with Israel. We call it the Mosaic Covenant. And we, we're familiar with covenants. God made a covenant with Abraham. 
You remember God promised Abraham that his descendants would be a great nation. He would give them land, which is going to be the promised land. Through him, all the nations will be blessed. And, and those nations that bless you, I'll bless, God says. And those, those nations that curse you, that are against you, I'll be against them. So that's the promise that God has given Abraham. This nation, the descendants of Abraham, called Israel, they've grown. We've seen God do his part, right? He blessed the nation while they were in Egypt, and they multiplied greatly. And if we see as those nations that come against them, God opposes. And God reiterated that, that covenant with all of his children. And for us too as married people, we, we understand covenants as well, don't we? We recall, some of you, you can recall making those promises to your mate, this covenant with your spouse. And you go through this ceremony, right? And vows are, are made and it's ratified in this one flesh union, right? And I'm yours, you are mine kind of thing. And we say at the end of the service, I'm a preacher, so I could say, by the power given to me by the Lord in this state, I pronounce you husband and wife, and I call the boy's name, you may kiss your bride, and he gives her a smooch, right? Sometimes it's a little, because people are kind of, don't know, weirded out by it, and sometimes they just lay one on her, you know? Uh, depends on the person. Me, I, we, we smooch for a while. Um, but what happens is that when you, why do we do that? Like that, like American thing, what's going on with that whole kiss thing? Well, what that's doing is a picture of what's to happen later. We have this, this one flesh union because that one flesh union, that's what ratifies the covenant between husband and wife. And so we're just giving a, a glimpse of that as they, they kiss. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so wonderful, right? But that's a picture of what's going to happen as the husband and wife, they become one. Now, today we'll see this Mosaic covenant, this agreement between God and the nation of Israel ratified or made legit, made legitimate. And, and what do we do when we get to this, this chapter and the rest of the book of Exodus? We, we have a tendency to just kind of skim over it. And... I was even talking to a, buddy, a friend of mine who's a pastor. He's an expository preacher as well. And I, he said, where, where are you in Exodus? I said, well, we're in 24. He's, oh, you're in the fun part of Exodus. And he kind of said it real sarcastically, right? But this chapter is really, uh, really important. In fact, the book of Hebrews talks about the new covenant, and it, it's viewed in contrast with the old. And, of course, in the book of Hebrews, we're told the new covenant's much better than the Old Covenant. Well, if we're going to contrast those, we need to know about the Old Covenant. So that's what we're going to do today. And, and the outline is real simple. There's, there's two points, and they just go right along with our text. Verses 1 through 11, we see the making of the covenant. Verse 1 through 11, it's real easy. It's broken down. These first 11 verses, and then the second uh, section is going to be um, the recording of the, the covenant. But both of these sections, as Morgan read for us, begins with God calling a group of people. In this first section, he, he, he calls Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, which are Aaron's two sons, and 70 of the elders of Israel to come and worship him. And, and the, the issue is, you come worship me, Moses is going to draw near, the rest of you are going to worship from afar. And we see that even in the Bible, these covenants, we see um, it's not too uncommon. We see them from time to time. The first covenant that comes to our mind is the covenant with Noah, the Noahic covenant. God destroyed the world by flood, killed everything but eight people, 
uh, all persons but eight uh, on the planet. And God, after that water subsided, receded, Noah came out of the ark. God made a covenant with Noah. And uh, we see that in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 and 22. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And, and pay attention to what happens with some of these covenants. There's an altar. Built an altar to the Lord and took some of the, every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. There's sacrifices being made. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not see. So God makes a covenant with Noah. I'm never going to destroy the earth again. And he, he, um, the sign of that covenant is what? Remember, Noah covenant was a sign. A rainbow, yeah. The next covenant we see, of course, is the covenant with Abraham. We've already mentioned that. God made a covenant with Abraham. Your, your children are going to become a great nation. You're going to receive land. Through you all the nation will be blessed. Uh, this was formalized, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15. And we see the, the sign of the covenant, of the Abrahamic covenant is what? You know, circumcision, right? So you have the rainbow, you have circumcision. There's always this sign that goes on with the covenant, right? We also see Isaac and Abimelech in Genesis chapter 26. Um, Abimelech, um, he told um, Abimelech that his wife, Rebecca, was his sister. Who else did that? Some other boneheaded, yeah, his daddy did it. Abraham did the same thing with Sarah. And here you have, yeah, like, like father, like son, right? The apple don't fall too far from the tree. And so what happened there, Abimelech finds out who he is, and they make a, a covenant. And there's a covenant. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuzeth, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have seen me away from you? Because he told him to get out, get out, right? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you. That you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done nothing, to, uh, done to you nothing but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. See, Abimelech knew the Lord was with his Isaac, so he needed to be on his side, and rightly so. He was, he was. That was true. Verse thirty. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. In the morning, they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. There's another covenant, and we see Jacob. Isaac had. Um, uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the child of the promise, remember? And God um, blessed Jacob. He married two ladies. Leah and Rachel, that's right. Leah and Rachel. And Jacob made a covenant with Laban. And Laban made a covenant with Jacob in Genesis 31, agreeing not to harm one another, right? You remember Laban, he tried to trick old Jacob he did trick him, actually. He thought he was marrying Rachel, and he, he got Leah. And then he worked seven years for her, and he worked seven years to marry Rachel. And Laban tried to cheat him and trick him all along. But Lord was with Jacob, and they made, a, they made a covenant as well. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these my daughters or for their children whom they have born? Come now. Let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. There's a, a covenant made here between these two people, and, and we see them uh, in, throughout the, the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. Um, and what usually happens in a covenant, and there's agreement made between two parties, there's usually promises that are made, 
Um, there's a sacrifice made, usually followed by a meal. Um, there's a lot of times memorial. They'll set up stones uh, as a memorial for them to see, and every time they see it, they'll remember the covenant they've made uh, together. Uh, there's also a curse attached oftentimes if you fail to keep the covenant. But there's always this seriousness about these covenants. It's not like a flippant deal. Sammy, it was a big deal to make a covenant with somebody, to go through all the rituals and all the, the steps, the sacrifices, the meal, the memorials, all these things. It's a pretty big deal. It wasn't, it wasn't flippant. And most of these elements that we see in, in covenant making, we see here on Mount Sinai. Some of the covenants were made, as we see, between equals, like it would be between you and I, right? We're equals. But some of the covenants, um, and, and that would be like Jacob and, and Laban, that's among equals. But there are covenants made between kings and subjects. And that's the kind of covenant we see here on Mount Sinai in the Mosaic covenant because this covenant was definitely not between equals, was it? And we know that because God initiated this covenant. He, he brought this up. He brought Egypt out of uh, Israel out of Egypt, and he declared this covenant. He invited the 70 elders and Moses and Aaron, his sons, up uh, to worship him. They came on God's terms. God gave them the law, and we've already seen that in the Ten Commandments and the book of the, the covenant, and he commands them to obey. God invited them up to worship him. Worship is not practiced among equals, right? The lesser always worships the greater. And that's what we see here in the Mosaic Covenant. And God invited the elders to worship him from a distance, only allowing Moses to draw near. But they've been invited to ratify this covenant. And they respond by drawing near to the Lord. And it's, a, a, again, a multi-step process. These 75 men, what they are, they were representative of the nation. Uh, they'll be the ones who will take the law back to the nation and teach them. But there is a, uh, there's a seriousness about it. If you obey, you'll be blessed. If you disobey, you'll be cursed. Let's look at the text. Verse 3, they've been invited, Moses, Aaron, his sons, the 70 elders. Moses is to draw near. Everyone else is to, to stay away from a distance, right? And Moses reminded these men, all the words of the Lord and all the rules... Here, that includes the Ten Commandments and the Book of the Covenant we've been studying, chapters tw uh, uh, 21, um, I'm sorry, yes, 21 through 23. And so what God is doing here, he's setting up the terms of the covenant. This is what is required of you. This is what I expect you to do. And what do they do? They, they verbally commit to doing that. Look, all the words of the Lord that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They say verbally, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these things. We agree. Look at verse 4 through 6. So what does Moses do then? He writes them down. It's interesting, from the earliest days, we see a written account of God's will. Isn't that amazing? Even now today, and we live under the new covenant, we have the old covenant, we have the new covenant, we have the written word of God that we can go to and discern his will for our lives. But the next morning he built an altar and he set up 12 pillars, each for one pillar for each tribe, and he made sacrifice. We see this oftentimes. Burnt offerings were made. They were completely burnt up. That's why they're called burnt. Completely burnt up. And then you have peace offerings. 
they were put on the altar, they were cooked, and those are the ones that were eaten at the, the fellowship meal. And what does he do with the blood? He, draw, he takes the blood from the sacrifice, he throws half of it onto the altar, which is kind of interesting. Then look at verse 7. He read the law to the people. He's already told them what the law says. Now he's written it down and he, again, he reads it verbatim to the people. And again, what do they do? They affirm that they want to keep the law given to them by Yahweh, by the Lord. We're going to obey you, Lord. We want to obey you. Yeah, we agree. We understand this is good for us and we want to obey you. Verse 8, at this point, Moses took the other half of the blood and he didn't sprinkle it on the altar. He throws it on the people. Kind of interesting, isn't it? They were the recipients of the benefits of the shed blood provided by the sacrifice. It was to make a memorable experience for them. Yeah, the blood splattered on them. It splattered on their clothing. The covenant was sealed with blood. They're making a deal or cutting a deal here. And we see this elsewhere, especially in, in Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. What happened is they would take a, a, oftentimes they would take an animal and they would cut it in two and they would separate the two parts of the animal and they would walk between it and they would, and kind of symbolize and saying, hey, if, if I break my, this covenant that we're making, then may I, may what happened to the animal that was cut in two happen to me kind of deal. So it's pretty serious. I mean, here's the law. God is asking them to obey, demanding that they obey, and they're saying, yeah. We want to obey. We, we recognize the benefit. We should obey, and we want to obey. Look at verse 9 through 11. So the representatives of Israel, they go up on the mountain, and notice they see the Lord. It's interesting. They see the Lord. What do they see of him? They see his feet and what he's standing on. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? And we read, we know elsewhere, if you, Exodus 33, verse 20, God here, God, uh, Moses is wanting to see the Lord, and Exodus 33, 20, God tells Moses, he said, if you cannot see my face, for if you see my face, you will, uh, you will not live. All right? How can someone see me and live? And by saying, and he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people, what's implied there is that normally what would happen under normal circumstances, God would have killed them. So it's like, well, did God, do they actually see the Lord? Or they just see his feet? They see what he's supposedly standing on? It's interesting, isn't it? But we see here, they're not put to death. This is a special moment for the people. And the Israelites, they're different here. It doesn't say that, it doesn't describe what God looked like. Maybe they just saw the feet and what he's standing on. But Israel is, the Israelites are different than those pagan nations, right? They're constantly making images of what their God looked like, but the Israelites were forbidden for doing that. And why is that so? Because to describe God, we describe it looking like men or looking like an animal, and that would, what would that would do? That would diminish God and his glory, wouldn't it? Ezekiel, he had a similar vision. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 1. But here, if, if, if getting this glimpse of the Lord is not enough, they're able to eat with the Lord. It says they drank and they ate. And what is this meal about? Well, it's a symbolic of fellowship, communion with God. I mean, who do you eat with? 
kids at school, they get their lunch and they go to the, the, the cafeteria tables. Well, what do they usually do? They sit with somebody they know, somebody they enjoy talking with, somebody they have fellowship with. I mean, after we talk, brought up the wedding, the whole idea of a of covenant that takes place between a man and a wife, a, a husband and a wife, what do you do at a wedding after the vows are passed, smooches are given? Then what do we do? We go eat, right? There's a banquet. We eat together. This is uh, interesting. It's important. This idea of eating with the, is seen in dining with God is seen throughout redemptive history. The covenant is sealed with a meal. Think about it. It's like you're, you're sliding your feet up under God's table. That's a picture of communion and fellowship and intimacy. We see this Abraham in Genesis 18. The covenant is confirmed, the Abrahamic covenant in, in Genesis 17. In Genesis 18, what did we see? Him welcoming these messengers to eat with him. Isaiah 25, verse 6, the prophecy about the coming of God's kingdom when people from every tribe and nation, what will they do? They'll sit at the table and dine with God. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. The marriage supper of the Lamb in book of Revelation, chapter 19. It's a picture of what? Of this communion with the Lord when all things are made right. We have the new heavens and new earth. There's going to be the picture of us with the Lord is this marriage supper, this banquet, if you will. We see the making of the covenant. And in verses 12 through 18, real quickly, we see the recording of the covenant. And the second call is for Moses alone. They've gone up on the mountain. They've had this covenant meal, sacrifice had been made, and now all of a sudden the call is for Moses alone. He takes his trusty sidekick, Joshua, and uh, they go in verses 12 through 14. Go and he tells Moses he's going to write the covenant in stone. And where's that stone tablet going to be placed? Do you remember? Yeah, in the Ark of the Covenant, at the tabernacle that's going to be built. And what, what is It's so they won't forget the law, right? And this is also to authenticate the covenant. Like signing, like I said, signing a title over when you sell a car. The deal's been done. And what happens in verse 15 and 18? We see the glory of the Lord, right? Cover that mountain. And Moses is there for, for a while. We see the glory of the Lord in this cloud. We've seen it already in, in Exodus chapter 13 and 14 when Moses leads the people out of Egypt. What does God do? He leads them by day with a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of fire. The presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, we see this already. We see it ascend upon that mountain. And upon that mountain, Moses is going to receive instruction on how to build the tabernacle. That's what he's going to do. So we're going to give instruction, chapters 25 through 31, how to construct that tabernacle. So this is a, a covenant-making, covenant-sealing chapter where we see God making promises, giving commands, demands to the people of Israel and they submitting to God, agreeing to obey and to walk with him. And as a result, they have fellowship with the Lord. 
So what do we do with this chapter, just by way of application, real quickly? We see 75 men approach the Lord. The rest of the nation, even though representative of the nation, but the rest of the nation's at the foot of the mountain. 75 people come up. There's kind of a distance thing going on, isn't it? They're, at that point, they only allow the, 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 the elders so far then Moses can come up farther. And we see this with the tabernacle. We want to see it in the tabernacle. We see the priest, where they able to, they're able to come in farther than the, the, the people, the, the, the lay people, if you will. But then you see another part, the Holy of Holies, where the high priest can come in once a year. And it's interesting, in this old covenant, you see this distancing. But you know what's so wonderful? Those of us now that we live in under the new covenant, all that distance for those who are in Christ is, gone, is done away with. Isn't that amazing? What's the scripture tell us? We ought to draw near. Not just draw near. We don't draw near timidly. We draw near with much boldness because of what Christ has done for us. Second thing by way of application, I think, is this is a... You see the, the Israelites ratifying this covenant, agreeing to this verbally, right, several times. Um, we see these blood sacrifices being made. We see this meal taking place. We see God writing the law in stone for the people so they can remember the covenant and what's required of them. But it has to be ratified. I think about that in regard to the new covenant. Well, the new covenant has to be ratified as well. We know in the new covenant, Jesus, the once for all sacrifice, the Passover lamb. Remember John the Baptist, what he said when he saw Jesus, point to him, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This Jesus come, came and, and he lived and he bore our sin on the cross as his blood was shed out, poured out for sinners. But this new covenant has to be ratified as well. The blood of the lamb was shed. Just in the Old Covenant, those sacrificial uh, altars, the blood that was shed, there's a commitment, there's an obedience that takes place. But in the New Covenant, a little bit different, but there's some similarities. Jesus, when he walked this earth, he commanded that people, that sinners, repent and believe. So in the New Covenant, it's ratified as we repent and believe the good news. We turn from our sin and trust Christ's work on the cross as our own. Trusting what Christ did on the cross, His resurrection was for us. Ratifying the new covenant. Thank you for tuning in to our Sunday morning services at Beaver Baptist Church. We are currently studying the book of Exodus. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like more information about our church, call us at 901-837-2904. You can also visit our website at beaverbaptist.com.